makes it a two-point game. There's your mismatch right here. Now it's Luka. Deep three on the Welcome back to 77 Minutes in Heaven, the Dallas Mavericks podcast on the Podcast Athletic Network. I am Brian Damaris. He is Mark Follower. How are you, Mark? I'm very good, Brian. Good to see you as always and uh, ready for another action-packed podcast. Well, our A-list guest streak continues. We have from the Normandy Invasion 10 to noon weekdays, the great Donovan Lewis joining us. Fresh off of vacation, so he's just full of vim and vigor, and there are few bigger Mavs fans in the area than Donnie Do. Yes, that's very true, and uh, a lot has happened in terms of advancement towards the resumption of the season and some things that uh, are are at at somewhat odds with advancement of the resumption of the season in terms of how some players feel about uh, the distractions from uh, the fight against racial injustice and also from some health concerns. So there's a lot of interesting perspectives that have emerged in the last week and uh, can't wait to get Donnie's view on some of those perspectives. Yep. And and also just how he feels the Mavs are going to be and how excited he is for the resumption of play. So let's not waste any more time and get right to it and hear from the great Donovan Lewis. Well, well, we uh, just continue the A-list guests. We've had Dirk, we've had Mark Cuban, and now from 10 to noon on the Normandy Invasion, the co-host, fresh off a resting home vacation. Thanks for joining us. Great Donovan Lewis. <laughs> Thank you, fellas. With, a, with a, uh, a list of names like that. I don't even deserve to be in the same arena as those two, but I really appreciate you guys having me on. This is an honor for me. Well, you are one of the biggest Mavs fans, a guy who stands up and yells at his TV during games without his shirt on. <laughs> and we love it. Man, you need to stop stalking me, Demare. Stop looking into my uh, window when I watch Maverick games because that's exactly how it goes down. Well, we have heard there is, you know, this thing, we, we did a big celebratory basketball is back podcast last week. Uh, mm-hmm. But it seems as though every day new information is coming out on on different things. And we've seen this players coalition with Kyrie Irving and Avery Bradley and Dwight Howard starting on Friday and kind of continuing on even this morning coming out with, uh, you know, uh, their issues of importance in black communities. Um, one of the key things that kind of came out of Friday's call was the idea that playing would distract from the social issues being protested about and talked about. Um, where is your head with, with that and whether you think it's better to play or not to play while also addressing these really important issues? Uh, I can kind of see where they're coming from because sports can be a distraction and a lot of people want it to be a distraction, but the NBA has been so good and the players have been so good about not letting social issues slide and using that platform to have people who may not know what they want to say or their message to get it across. So not only I think with those guys together playing would uh, be a distraction, a needed distraction from people who want to watch sports again and, and who love the NBA. But you can get that message across with that platform. So uh, I, I see what he's saying, 
but I think it could do way more good than harm to bring basketball back because you could, uh, you know, after the games, uh, say what you need to say in interviews, say what you need to say. And it's going to be broadcast everywhere on every sports uh, station out there because, you know, the highlights of the games and all that. So I do feel, and I think maybe the majority of players will feel that way, that if there's a message that needs to be put across, that you can do it better by having the visibility and playing and not just putting things out on social media to, to have it in front of their eyeballs uh, to get it across. And, 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 I, and I, think, uh, uh, that, that, I think that's a good thing. You know, Donovan, since this news came down on Friday, since it first surfaced of Kyrie organizing this player's call, you know, one of the places that my head has been about it is that uh, in this particular time, especially as a white male, this is a subject and a time when mostly what I need to be doing is listening, learning, empathizing, understanding points of view and coming at it from that perspective and not pontificating and all that sort of thing. You know, one of the things I would say is that I agree with what you said, that ultimately it seems like to me, from my perspective, the message is going to get out more so when you're playing games and using the enormous platform of the NBA and the eyeballs that will be on it whenever the the games are occurring, uh, you know, at at, uh, the Wide World of Sports Complex at Disney World. But, you know, the Mm -hmm. the other thing I would add, too, is and, and, you know, Brian and I were looking this over before before we got on with you, is that Kyrie and Avery Bradley have done and Avery Bradley, especially, you know, they've they've put together uh, a statement about some of what their specific expectations are. And, And I would say from my own perspective, as a white male who's worked in the NBA for 20 years and what the NBA has meant to my life, you know, I'm the first to say, hey, man, if I, I'm glad to see Avery Bradley doing this. If there are causes and you're saying we want everybody involved in the NBA to rally behind this organization, donate to this organization because it's done some good, then, hey, man, it is definitely a cause that I am all on board to show my appreciation for what the NBA is meant to be, as meant to me in my life, a league that is – uh, you know, predominantly based on the performance and the success of superstar African-American players. So, uh, you know, from my perspective, uh, that's kind of where my head is about all of this as we as we discuss this and getting ready to, to, to hopefully restart the league. Yeah, I'm glad they are speaking up because no one, you can't satisfy everyone and everyone is not going to have the same point of view. Even if, uh, you know, you are sitting back and you're listening, follow well, like you said, you need to do uh, some more of, you can talk to one of your uh, black friends. They'll say one thing. You can uh, turn around and talk to another. They're going to have another point of view. That's just human nature, man. That's how it goes. It's now uh, one of those things to where, okay, I understand how you feel and how you think maybe people will not pay attention to the cause if basketball is going on. But just as you put that out, you could put that out after a basketball game with all eyes on you and everyone's there to have that information and they'll say the same thing. So they, I, I, I think sometimes they don't understand the power they can have in their voices and the power that the game can have 
and it can affect a lot of people, uh, reach a mass audience with, uh, with you standing up and, and, and spouting out your issues and your concerns. And if you do that at that platform with everyone watching, it will do good. So I think once they all get together and they feel that there's a consensus, consensus of, okay, you know what? We can do this to help everyone out and help the movement out and get our message across to where we want to put it out there, then I think they'll realize that, okay, by us playing, it can do some good. Or maybe it just needs to be talked to them like, hey, you know, we, we can, we can, we can share all this information to everyone if we just go and 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 play and and and, and stand together as as athletes. So I uh, I applaud both sides because I do think both sides need to be heard. And uh, just to let everyone know that it's just not one accord, man. I mean, one thing, one issue, one problem. It's a lot of different point of views. Uh, you could talk to my parents and they'll have a point of view that I don't have or, or something like that. So just gathering up all the information you can, I think, will do a lot of people good. Donovan, let me – I'm so glad you brought up the point about using a platform. I'd like to share with you guys like a, a story and an example that I have about that. And, 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 and it relates to a guy who used to be here and it relates to a story in the sports world right now. So bear with me for a moment. So, okay. Donovan, have you guys heard about the story of Marcus Rashford? the Manchester United soccer player and what he's done in England over the last few weeks. Brian shaking his head no. I don't know if you've heard about it, Tony. Well, in, in, much like we have here in the United States, there are kids on free and reduced lunch programs during the school year. So mm-hmm. the, the government in the U.K. was basically during the summer months – uh, with a lot of families obviously struggling with the pandemic, they were going. They weren't going to do anything in terms of filling in the gaps during the summer months in terms of paying for kids that normally get free and reduced lunches during the school year. Well, Marcus Rashford, an African American player for Manchester United, obviously uh, a great English player and one of the great clubs in England, really spoke out about this issue. And basically, the UK government has done a complete turnaround, and they've said they're going to continue to fund meal programs for kids, free and reduced lunches even though they're in their summer break right now in the UK. So so along those lines, that's using the platform, Donnie. So as it relates to mm-hmm. here, so I did this project with Wesley Matthews and his foundation when he was here several years ago. Well, the dinner that I emceed and worked with on Wesley Matthews, that was his issue. He said, people don't understand that when you have a family that has kids on free and reduced lunch programs at school, there are gaps to fill in and spring break and the summer, and there are just, those meals are so important. Important. And here I am, right. a guy, it's like, man, I'd never really like sit and kind of thought about that. So that's just kind of like speaking from my own experience of what's going on right now about somebody raising that issue and where it happened in my past a few years ago in my own life where somebody brought that issue to the table and I had a much greater understanding of it. So so, so backing up your point, I don't know what, what that wasn't really a question as much as it was a story and I, I'm not sure what kind of comment you would have on it, but that supports your idea that, that these platforms are truly useful and I can give you a real world example of, of, of bringing attention to specific, to specific problems. And I love the fact that you said that that's something that you really didn't even think about. And it's nothing bad saying anything bad about you for not thinking about it. There are a whole bunch of people that probably didn't think about that. So that's why I was uh, even talking about the different point of views, because you have different issues and different problems that are going around. And there's 
something that's on someone's mind that may not be on this other person's mind. But when we get together and talk about it and raise these issues, you'll go, okay, man, I didn't even think about that. Let's work together to try to come to some sort of solution or try to find a way to fix that problem. And once you gather a lot of people and you gather that information and you have those conversations, you get a list of those issues that are going on. That's when you can try to help out as many people as you possibly can, because there's some segment of society that may go overlooked because some other issues out there, but you start having people get together and conversate and you start realizing that those people need help too. And you start trying to alleviate some of the problems that are going on all across America. And we've seen this, you know, the NBA did this many years ago with uh, moving the all-star game out of Charlotte over the bathroom bill. Uh, right. and, they, and they didn't go back until, you know, that was changed. Um, the power, and we talked about player empowerment in terms of their own contracts, their own careers and moving teams. But, you know, what I really liked about what the coalition put this morning was they had specifics about, you know, what they wanted changed. They talked about the hiring procedures for black and front office executives, uh, black mm-hmm. front office executives and head coaches. They talked about, you know, which specific organizations serving the black community are going to get money. And one I really liked was, you know, tell me what black owned businesses, this is talking to the owners, what black owned businesses and arena vendors you're, you're working with, what that percentage is, how you can increase that. You know, these are tangible things that, can put some feet to the fire and not just make this on the players, but put it on the owners to say, I don't want just a t-shirt or a tweet. I want to see what the action is. And, you know, listen, if we don't play, you don't have a business. And so it's time to make those changes. And as much as we want people to make changes out of the good of their heart, sometimes just making them do things out of self-interest can move that ball forward. It's almost always under this whole umbrella of racism. We have to end racism, which is true. We really do. But then you open that umbrella, and there are so many things that fall off of that umbrella, so many subtexts as far as this whole blanket racism thing that we need identified. And you need things, uh, uh, you know, things that are capable of trying to fix those problems. So, yeah, I, I really do appreciate those guys just looking uh, deep into issues and just not just saying, well, we just need the end racism. Okay. All right. We've been knowing that for a whole, for a long time now. We didn't need any videos to say we needed to end racism, but you start naming specifics and you have that voice and you have that power to let that be known and put it out there. And then that's where you can start trying to chisel that down and start really truly working on some things to make, uh, to make this uh, whole world a better place. Donovan, I know this is a tough question for you to answer. It's purely speculation. But when we get to the stage of of players reporting to Orlando, I mean, you know, what do you envision this ends up looking like? Is this uh, everybody gets on the same page and goes? Do you think that there's just just isolated cases of players who won't go because they want to remain focused on these issues? A significant number more than just a handful, just an isolated number of guys. What's your what's your vision for how this is all going to look like? Uh, in terms of participation uh, of going to Orlando and decisions to sit out once we get to that place here in a few weeks? I think there are going to be a lot of calls made amongst the players to guys who may be on the fence because of these social issues, to guys who are dead set on going because they feel that they can make uh, 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 their calls known better by going and playing. And I think they'll try to talk those guys into it saying, look, 
if we all are a united front going to the into this bubble, then we can make some changes. We really can by going to play. So I think some of the bigger names who are dead set for going to the bubble and playing will try to talk to those guys who are on the fence uh, to try to make them realize that they probably need to be in Orlando. I don't think you're going to get a lot of resistance. Uh, the only resistance I think you'll get, you'll get will be health concerns or the guys that uh, if they uh, are at risk to uh, not go to go to Orlando, then they'll still get their salary because they're a health risk. Because uh, you know we say what we want, but guys missing checks because they don't want to go that may enter their minds also. Okay, it's for the cause, but man, I'm going to miss uh, my paycheck if I don't go. Then that may have them lean towards going to uh, to to make sure that everything that's on their minds will be put out there for a huge, huge audience because we all know that all eyes will be on the NBA when they go back and play. It's what everyone wants. Every NBA fan is just just fiending to try to, uh, to see some basketball played again. So you'll be able, I think, I honestly feel, to accomplish some things that you want to accomplish by going out and playing. I think some of the players who are for it will get to some of those guys who are on the fence so you can have almost full participation. You're never going to have 100% participation. That's just not realistic. But I think you'll have some guys ready to uh, go out there and, and, and A, play, and then B, make sure that the distraction isn't distracting everyone else from the real issues that they have. You just mentioned health concerns, and I know that uh, today I listened, uh, as I do often, to the Norman D invasion. And as a matter of fact, uh, I know that Brian listened today, and we both heard uh, you and Norm discussing the idea of the bubble and health concerns. So since you just brought it up, that's probably a natural transition. As you're watching this all come together, uh, you said there you think there will be players – uh, who might opt out because of health concerns. So what's your perspective on on what the NBA is doing and putting together and trying to create with this bubble uh, campus environment? They prefer to refer to it as, but but what this, uh, what this environment is that they're putting together in Orlando. How do you feel about it from a uh, coronavirus perspective? I, I, I feel pretty good because of the testing when you get there and the uh, the limits that they're having from the outside contact to try and not have someone from the outside come in and have this uh, uh, the co- uh, have COVID nineteen spread. So once they have them get there and they quarantine them until they have two negative tests, I think me personally that would make me feel pretty good as far as being able to maneuver around and playing without even having to think about it because. If I feel that everyone there doesn't have it and you're limiting your outside contact, then everyone should be good. Now, if you have people, you know, kind of tiptoeing outside the bubble and putting everyone else at risk, yeah, I think that's going to be in the back of some people's minds. But uh, uh, just listening to uh, uh, Dan and Jake and, and the musers in the morning talk about those guys are going to have to make a huge adjustment because they're not used to being in a room by themselves that entire time, whether it's with the ladies or just with themselves. They're used to being around each other and hanging and chilling and all that. And uh, once they get to their room, then it's just basically them. I, I, I do wonder if someone's going to sit there and think that they're losing their freaking minds by just sitting there by themselves. And that's going to be an issue. I, I'm not quite sure. I think, those guys are maybe grown enough to realize the gravity of the situation and say, look, 
it's a couple of months, maybe it's three months. We need to do this so we can get the season back going, crown a champion, and then we'll worry about everything else afterwards. So I think everyone will comply, but I, I feel that once they get there, and, and I'm not trying to make light out of any situation whatsoever. I think once they get inside the bubble and the testing occurs, I think COVID-19 may be the last thing on their minds because they'll feel pretty safe about what the league has put together as far as trying to keep them safe. Yeah, and I think the biggest, probably one of the huge drawbacks is that there's no doubles ping pong. So, <laughs> Right. That's what I'm concerned about. Like, look, if I can't play ping pong with – uh, Dwight Powell, then I don't want to play ping pong. And I noticed that, uh, you know, new deck of cards for every every game, every set of players. I was wondering, is it also a new set of dominoes? Because that's got to be a major player if, if Donovan were there. Yeah, no, that's right. That's a lot of set of dominoes if you have to uh, uh, put a new set out there after every hand because everyone has their hands on them. But I would personally, and this is just me, so I can only speak for myself, if we, if I get to the bubble and I'm tested twice and everyone there has a negative test, I think I would feel comfortable as far as maneuvering around, even playing games or hanging around with teammates or anything else, because uh, I would do the same thing with my family. So I would right. feel comfortable as far as just saying, all right, I, I think everyone's good and we'll be okay. And it, it, I would, I could, would be able to concentrate on basketball. I wouldn't even think about catching it until you had someone who was called sneaking out to, you know, go to Fuddruckers or something like that to, to have an outside burger. And that, you know, that's when I'd start maybe getting a little concerned, but I think I would be good. And from a Mavs perspective, as, as we kind of look at the basketball implications of this, we've got Luca and, and Porzingis back, you know, um, coming back in country. Um, you know, they were starting to hit their stride with each other and individually when, when things shut down. Uh, Luca obviously will be better for the injury healing time he had with his wrist and his ankle um, and his finger. Uh, what, what do you expect basketball-wise uh, from the Mavs? Is it going to take some time to kind of get back into into the flow? I think so. You know, you have the scrimmage games. That's going to help even the regular season games just to get back to form. But I'm excited to see with maybe no restrictions on KP now that he's had this time to to heal and, and Luka getting back healthy. Uh, I I think Dallas is as good a team as any to make a little noise, to make a team uncomfortable. Now, we all know that the matchup with the Clippers that they have right now is not the best matchup for them, but I, I think they would uh, would scare them, and I think this matchup would be a lot better than what people would expect, and it would give them a little confidence to say, all right, you know what? We played well when we came back. Maybe next year they can keep taking those steps to being a championship contending team. We all feel that that's not the case now, but uh, we all feel that they are closer than uh, what we expected, even at the beginning of this year, because everyone thought, man, the Mavericks would maybe fight for the eighth, ninth, tenth seed this year. It'll be a year where they're learning each other uh, and everything will be uh, a lot better towards the future. And the future is right now. They're playing really well. So uh, I'm excited as a Mavericks fan to see those guys come back, to see if they can click uh, like they were once uh, this, uh, uh, this thing hit, the quarantine hit, and uh, see if they can scare the water out of the Clippers or anyone else they're matched up with in the first round. 
Donovan, I don't think I ever heard you specifically address as far as the actual return to play plan in terms of uh, what the NBA arrived at. Were you were you glad they invited some other teams outside of 16? Did you just want 16? Did you want all 30, go straight to the playoffs? I mean, in terms of what plan the NBA put together, is it something that you find satisfactory or would you have preferred to have seen them uh, go about it a different way? I would have just gone straight into the playoffs. I would have just had the 16 teams go, uh, you know, Western Conference, Eastern Conference, play the playoffs like you always do. Uh, I, I would probably, and I am probably am going to be disappointed because that's usually how these things work. The regular season, inviting the, inviting the other teams may be a money issue. I, I don't know. I have no idea. But I felt like it was tricking it up a little bit, especially if you didn't even the conference teams out. So you have – the extra, all the extra teams, but one in the Western Conference, because they were six games back, it just felt like an arbitrary number. Felt weird, and <laughs> I don't know if I have the factual things to back up my weird feeling, but it just felt a little weird to bring the majority of the teams back from the Western Conference and only one from the Eastern. It felt like it was tricking it up, but. Um, <sighs> If they want to get more people involved just to have interest there, I have no idea what their motivation was with that. But I would have gone straight into the playoffs with the top eight, play it out like you usually do, and then crown your champion. Well, I think that you hit on one very, very salient point is that there are certainly financial implications that they're looking at. But, uh, but I would submit that there's probably also a Zion implication that they're looking at okay. and, yep. and, and probably trying to, to do everything within reason uh, you know, look, they were making a move. Uh, they had one of the easier schedules, I believe, remaining in the NBA for their for their last few games. So they had, before the season was stopped, a pretty realistic chance to make a charge. And I think that uh, without saying so, uh, I, I would certainly feel like that the league would would uh, would love to have Zion in the playoffs. And this this is one of the things that opens the doors to that end. Yeah, three and a half games uh, back with eight to go. That's not impossible. Uh, I thought Memphis was playing well, well enough to maybe secure that eighth spot and uh, leave those other teams in the dust. But, yeah, it, it probably is a Zion fact. And isn't it funny that a guy who's only played, what, 20 games maybe in the regular season was probably a huge factor in saying, you know what, we have some superstars that are right on the outside. You have uh, – the team in San Antonio, Popovich is probably the biggest superstar there for, for that team. And, and you have Phoenix with uh, Booker and you have uh, uh, Portland with Damian Lillard and all those guys. So, yeah, it's probably one of those to say, hey, let's get some names in there to keep the eyeballs there and then give them a chance to make the playoffs. But I, I felt this year was one of the few years that you probably had your top eight pretty much set, especially in the Eastern Conference. Those guys are set. They're the, uh, the, the, I think it's Detroit. They're not catching uh, Orlando for that eighth spot. So now you have the guys in the Western Conference. Three and a half games is not impossible, but I thought you could get away with it without too many people complaining that those guys didn't have a chance to make the playoffs. And, and do you – Where's your head on the uh, asterisk question in terms of who ends up winning this? Uh, Do you kind of look at it with a skewed eye or do you give them kind of full credit because everybody's in the same boat? None whatsoever. No asterisk needed because we've had 50 game seasons and the champion of that year, there's no asterisk by their name. So none. It will be a 
legit champion. Everyone's in the same boat. They 100% would have earned their championship, no matter how many regular season games are cut off on the back end of it. You know, as as you addressed the Mavericks and and potentially playing the Clippers, and obviously, uh, you know, there's a chance that that won't end up being, you know, be a different matchup that occurs in the playoffs. But but I'm curious how uh, you view this particular environment and the fact that players are going to be removed from home court advantage and hostile environment situations, and they're going to go into this uh, never-before-experienced sort of situation. Uh, It's hard to speculate on what that means the basketball is going to look like in terms of competitive advantages, but since home road aspects are being removed from it, uh, I I would think that the, the gap between teams in terms of talent would be narrowed and the results, the potential results of the playoffs would be theoretically going into it, you would predict it to be more wide open. Uh, you know, do you come at it from that perspective, or do you still think there's, you know, one or two or three teams, Lakers, Bucks, Clippers, for example, that are runaway favorites, and and regardless of environment, there's just not really a chance for, for some sort of upset? I, 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 I hate to be this guy, but I think it's a little bit of both. I think you're right on both ends because – that crowd energy when you're at home or even on the road, I think it makes a difference with these athletes. And, and I think even younger players may be affected by the fact that it's going to be an empty gym when you go out there and play. And it's uh, just a neutral site. So I think the veterans will get over it quickly. I think younger players may be affected. But I do feel that the Bucks and the Lakers and the Clippers and the Raptors are talented teams and those guys do have the upper hand because they've been the better team all year long. Now, will the layoff have something to do with it? I think the layoff may have a little more to do with it than those guys maybe playing in an empty gym or are in a uh, 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 neutral neutral environment. But I, I'm so interested to see how that affects some of the younger guys because it's going to feel different. It's going to look different to us and it's going to be weird. Just think about you. You're used to playing in front of 18,000 people and they're hanging on every shot. And then now you're just basically playing meaningful games and it's going to feel like a practice. So that's, that's going to take some getting used to for some of those guys, I do think. But usually the cream rises to the top in the NBA and talent will overcome everything. So I can see how you would lean towards you may have an upset or two, but I don't think it's going to be any more than you would normally have. Well, you just said, and I brought this up with Brian, and I know Brian, you know, when his time with the Mavericks experienced this, and, and, and I'll bring this up to, to you, and I'll bring it up to anybody listening. You know, once again, I, I would reiterate that having seen practices over the years, I do think this is going to be really intriguing because, you know, a practice environment, when a five-on-five scrimmage starts occurring in a practice environment, it gets super competitive, and you hear the communication between teammates on the floor. You hear the trash talking. Mm-hmm. You hear other players that are around the court, Donnie, who are encouraging and talking and supporting, and you hear you know, all different kinds of things. You hear coaches that are encouraging and supporting and criticizing and coaching, and there, there is a very, very high level of energy and unique energy that surrounds a practice when it gets to a five-on-five live scrimmage situation at an NBA practice. So, so it is going to be different. And, and I just, I, I would stress to everyone, I think you're in for like a really eye opening experience about how energetic and what that, uh, what that atmosphere is going to be like. I think it's going to be really fun to see how much the coaches really coach. 
and them calling out the plays and doing whatever they do because you're going to hear it now and you're going to be able to hear everything. I think it's going to be a fascinating look inside how some teams really run. So there are some coaches that will sit back and let their players play. There are some coaches that are more hands-on on the court calling out plays and all that. This is, this is going to be a fun watch. It's going to be really interesting, especially for basketball nerds like us. So you can actually hear what's going on and how players are developing right then and there and being able to hear everything instead of hearing uh, you know, the neutron dance or something like that over the loudspeaker. And I think, uh, you know, since we do have. <laughs> How did I pull out the neutron dance? What's wrong with you? Because you're Donnie Doom, man. That's what you do. Man, we, <laughs> we should send you out there to do the DJing. Well, speaking of entertainment, speaking of entertainment, we do have the TV play by play voice of the Mavs who's going to be forced to do these broadcasts from a remote location. And, you know, I just want to give him some tips on how to energize the broadcast because there aren't fans, you know, things like maybe uh, put a kazoo in your mouth after every dunk and blow that or, or just, you know, I don't know. Do you have any tips for follow well? I do love the olden days. Yeah, you, you'll see. I can't remember what movie that was or a TV show where the baseball announcer that the crack of the bat and he does it himself. And then he throws the confetti in the air when the home run happens. Dude, I would love for <laughs> knock, Mark knock to... Knock on a uh, piece of... Well, yeah, you need something. <laughs> <laughs> right. You need to make the net sound at home. Like, we're so used for the... Uh, we're used to having the mics on the nets. So, Mark, you need to do something where you can have a net mic sound at home every time something goes in. Well, hey, man, this is... Uh, I really do mean this. This is a time that uh, at least... At least in theory. Now, once you may talk them out, maybe you realize that they're not good ideas. But at this point in time, and when it comes to how these games are going to be put on in person and on television, theoretically, there's no bad ideas right now. <laughs> now you may, you may, you may. Once the idea has been suggested, then people talk them out. Maybe you realize, okay, that's not a very good idea. But, but on the surface, I would say at this point, there's no, there's no bad ideas without uh, at least for. What about like a, a live mic at Donnie Dew's house? We, we would need a significant delay, but. <laughs> I think that something like that could be possible with this, uh, with some of the things that I'm hearing. So, uh, well, fan, just don't let yeah. me play the music because if I'm playing the neutron dance, then <laughs> anything, everything else is is out. I love it. Well, Donnie, do thanks so much for joining us. We uh, we appreciate the insight and and, and convo from a, a super Mavs fan nerd like we are and. Uh, we look forward to July 30th and getting this thing back on the road. Hey, man, thanks for having me. You boys do a really, really good job on this podcast, and I really appreciate it because, as you both know, we've used some of your audio on our show. So we appreciate you guys doing what you do uh, and helping us out on some programming. So uh, keep up the good work, man. I always enjoy listening to it. All, All right. right. Much love. 10 to noon weekdays on the Normandy Invasion. Thanks a lot. Well, Mark, that was a great convo with the great Donovan Lewis touching on a number of topics, including his thoughts on the Players Coalition, uh, thoughts about, you know, fears of what the return would be in terms of if it could uh, inhibit the progress that is being made on the social issues, as well as health concerns and other things um, pertaining to just the daily news churn that's happening in the NBA uh, with this restart. And as we approach a June 23rd date, uh, when testing of players will begin, 
Um, we've seen with now the document that came out late Tuesday evening, the 100-plus page uh, health protocols sent to all the teams and the Players Association sending a 40-page document to its players. We now have all of the details of how things are going to work in the bubble logistically. Yes, and the uh, the details are extensive. And as a matter of fact, for listeners of this podcast, we will have medical analysis of those details coming up next week. Brian, we're going to be joined by our good buddy, Dr. Edward Dominguez from Methodist Hospital, who is the infectious disease specialist. And so he is going to, from a medical perspective, analyze precisely what protocols the NBA has put in place and share with us uh, uh, all thoughts as it relates to just the the, the medical hurdles and ins and outs of of that aspect of of the restart of the season yes he's going to give us uh, a real real good insight into whether the nba is doing enough uh what what should be added what is uh how comfortable players should feel etc uh we talked to donnie about a lot of the societal um and systemic racism questions and uh an added document that came out that you're privy to because you're on the NBA's mailing list is uh, an official release from the NBA about uh, some of what is going to be happening in Orlando. And that will dovetail with some of the reporting we've seen about uh, what the league sent to the team. So, uh, you know, we're, we're still kind of in the same place, Brian, as we have been with, uh, you know, extremely limited use of team facilities. Uh, the, the plan was that, that what the NBA ha- has put forth is that they wanted players from outside the United States uh, to have reported back to go into the self-quarantine they needed to do by June the 15th. Now, uh, you know, obviously from a Mavs perspective, that matters most with Luca and Kristaps Porzingis. Uh, we always, I know you and I both watch their Instagrams and such for clues as to what's happening. Luca tweeted some pictures of still working out overseas that, that I know the Mavs retweeted as recently as June 13th. But at this point, you know, uh, we assume that they uh, are back, but we haven't heard anything official in terms of... Yeah, the of information I have is that uh, there's nothing to indicate that they won't be ready for their testing on the 23rd. Uh, by June 22nd. If you're domestically out, of, if you've if you've left your home market, but you're you've been staying domestically, uh, the expectation is that you will be back with your team by June 22nd. June 23rd to June 30th is the date where players on per team players on participating teams uh, are required to go through their <coughs> excuse me, Brian, their initial round of coronavirus testing conducted by the teams, and I believe uh, uh, as you have seen. That amount of that testing is going to be uh, antibody serology testing in addition to testing for active infections through the nasal swab PCR test. Yes, they will get a blood antibody test to see if they've ever had it. If they have the antibodies, the antibody would be present if they've had it and recovered from it. And they will also get two tests, a shallow nasal swab and an oral swab. PCR test done by Quest, uh, not the invasive uh, kind of into your brain uh, procedure. And we will go into all the details next week on our podcast with our doctor in terms of the pros and cons of this approach. But it is a much less invasive uh, way of doing it. And one of the benefits of doing it, one of the cons of doing it that way is you may miss it if the virus is further up your nostril. But because they're going to be doing this testing every other day, starting on the 23rd for mm-hmm. the duration of their 
play mm-hmm. going forward, including in Orlando, then they will be able to catch it because of the, the frequency. Uh, if I may share a personal story with you, I actually recently, and, and negative was the result, wonderfully, uh, have had the invasive nasal swab How did that test feel? done at an urgent care center. And uh, it's quite uncomfortable. Wow. But, okay. but it's it's not for very long. It's, uh, you know, it's three to five seconds of... Uh, Significant discomfort uh, that uh, makes you like kind of tear up a little bit, you know, like anytime, like, like any anything with the uh, inside of the nose and the inside of the nose being disturbed pretty much makes your eyes start watering. Well, similar feeling when you would watch Felicity or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, when I watched Up, you know, that was a, that was a real tearjerker of a movie. So, uh, but you wouldn't want this. Uh, you wouldn't want this done to you every other day. Um, well, I mean, if it's, if it's for the greater good and if it's for, you know, if, if I had to do it to work, then, you know, yeah, but, but that's it, what but you got to do. You got to do There's it. other options. Yeah, yeah. You would want sure. another option. Sure. Okay. Well, that's yeah. good it's, to know that it's, it's uncomfortable, but you know, it, it is what it is and, uh, you know, you, you, you get through it. So they'd be tested every other day, starting on the 23rd, from the 23rd to the 30th, they'll be in there basically continuing as business as usual Four four players at a time at most in the practice facilities, individual workouts. Uh, but according to your information, it's different from what we've seen uh, reported. Head coaches can be involved in in starting on the 23rd. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, two assistant coaches or player, diver- player development personnel have been what's uh, been allowed over the, the last few days. Uh, starting June 23rd, uh, what I've been told is, is that the team's head coach would then be uh, could be one of the two coaches involved in supervising a voluntary individual workout. Um, you know, still all other uh, social distancing measures and health protocols are all in place, uh, you know, and the extremely restrictive nature of the drills uh, that can be done, um, you know, are, are still very much in place. But at that point in time, as of June 23rd, uh, my understanding is head coaches could at least be in a supervisory capacity uh, for for individual voluntary workouts of players. And, and, and some public articles have shown that starting on uh, July 1st, but your document from the NBA says that starts on the 23rd of June. Uh, what does start in phase three, so phase one is what we have now. We're in phase one until mm-hmm. Monday kind of the return of players to their markets. Phase two, it goes from the 23rd to the 30th. We just talked about that. Uh, phase three is July 1st to the 11th. And from my understanding, and correct me if your your information is different, uh, the only difference is that you can now have eight players at a time. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything that says you can't, that, that, that has a number of players. What, what my understanding is, is from July 1st until departure for Orlando is that uh, players could engage in required individual workouts at team facilities uh, and all teams and players would still be prohibited from engaging in group workouts, practices, skill or conditioning sessions or and, and by that I mean team group workouts, practices, skill or conditioning sessions. So you, okay. you can you can uh, increase so the number be... of people. You, uh, you said four to eight, so you can increase the number of people that are there, but you all of a sudden, because you had eight people there, couldn't say, hey, let's go split up and go play two groups of two on two. You so we're do still that. not in a kind of mini camp mode. Correct, yeah. Which we're... we initially had thought there would be kind of mini camp, full, uh, unrestricted play in home facilities, but 
None of that's going to happen until they get to Orlando. Yeah, and then uh, you know that that phase is going to start July the first, Brian, and then the seventh, eighth, and ninth then is going to be whenever the the travel to Orlando occurs. Uh, I don't have access to this information. You, however, said last week when we were on the podcast that uh, you know what you've been told, and 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 certainly from you know I, I, I'm I'm you know put a lot of credence and and where you would have heard this information that it would be staggered team arrivals basically yes, right the teams are going to be in three different hotels based on seating uh and, and you would assume that's based on quality of hotel even though <laughs> the mavs who are in the five to eight hotel in terms of seating uh they're in the floridian which is still from people i've talked to a very 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 nice hotel right so they're not they're not staying at any kind of motel six or anything like that right no offense to them if they want to sponsor our podcast but uh they will leave the line on for you during this seven to nine period, staggered check-in, and then 10 to 11 is, is kind of thrown into this phase four because that is a quarantine period. They're going to have two tests, the same tests that are going to be done uh, throughout this nasal and oral swab, not invasive. They have to then sit in their rooms for 48 hours. They have to have two clear tests 24 hours apart to be allowed out of their room, essentially. Wow. And that's for all players and staff, everybody mm-hmm. entering the bubble. Right. So the latest that would happen for teams checking in on the ninth would be the 11th. For teams right. checking in on the 7th, obviously that would then be uh, earlier. So uh, that's kind of what that phase is. And then this, whenever that period ends, when every player is cleared out of their room, that's when camp begins. And that's Correct. when full, unrestricted uh, practice can occur in Orlando. And then the next date to watch for along those lines is either July 21st or 22nd. Then that's when the go-ahead will happen for the three inter-squad scrimmages and final preparation for resumption of the season. Uh, they'll be scheduled by the league office and officiated by NBA referees. Now, now uh, they will be against, in the Mavs case, uh, people in their hotel, teams in their hotel, which are the five through eight seeds from either conference. Yeah. You and can the, only during that time as a player interface with people in your hotel. Right. Right. And so no one, cross hotel mingling. Yeah. No cross hotel mingling. And so, you know, one of the things people, uh, not a lot of people have asked this, but I, I think as we get closer, the interest will be there and more people will start asking. And unfortunately, Brian, I don't have an answer for, for anybody. Uh, I know that from a broadcaster perspective, uh, we would certainly love to do it, but I, I don't know what will be in place in Orlando by that time uh, in terms of, of uh, you know, broadcast transmission availability. So we would love to do those pre those. I, I mean, preseason games isn't even the right. I mean, it's the it's I guess it's they're, the most they're glorified blue white scrimmages. Yeah. Yeah. When they place they're going to have these three games against the other teams, whether or not we're going to be able to broadcast those is uh, a complete unknown uh, at this point for any number of reasons. I would assume if the capability exists to do so, we would want to do that because I think at that point, I mean, number one, uh, you know, it's been March the 11th since we've all done a game. We'd like to, as a broadcast crew, knock the rust off a little bit. And I'm sure that, uh, you know, we, we'd all like to see how the guys look. And Because yeah. you've been calling like games uh, by yourself, and I know your your wife is a yeah. little... <laughs> she said last week whenever uh, she said, why were you so loud the other day? I mean, it was just like... I'm sure people like across the street could hear you. And so, yeah, she's uh, she's ready for me to stop doing that and get back to real calling of games. 
So, so that I don't, is, but, but yeah, I don't know if we'll get a chance to televise those, uh, those, those scrimmages or not. But teams will be allowed to play three of them. They'll start either July the 21st or the 22nd and take us up to the July 30th start of the season. And that's one thing that's changed since you and I podcasted last week, Brian, is July 31st was the start date last week. And for whatever reason, uh, they've upped that, they've, they've inched that forward to July 30th. And as you mentioned, we'll get into a lot of the health aspects of it with Dr. Dominguez next week on our podcast. Uh, we talked to Donnie about a lot of the, basically the other big issue that is kind of um, the reason that players are hesitant to to come back amongst those groups that are, are hesitant, what they're now calling themselves the Players Coalition, Kyrie Irving, Avery Bradley, Dwight Howard, kind of the, the, the lead names of that group of potentially up to 100 that were on a call Friday evening. Um, I did like what they did uh, Wednesday morning in coming out with specific um, items on their agenda that they want the league and owners to address, meaning uh, they want to see a concrete plan of how um, they're going to – the hiring practices for uh, black – front office and head coaches in the league. They want to know uh, what specific organizations that are serving black communities are going to be supported. And they want to know what uh, black owned businesses and arena vendors are being used and what percentage of that is of their total uh, saying, this is not just a player's problem. This is an owner's issue. And, you know, we talk about player empowerment, as I mentioned with Donnie in terms of contracts and careers and getting traded. Um, this is flexing their muscles uh, for what they really have been talking about and not just saying, we don't want another t-shirt or, or black awareness month. We want to see mm-hmm. uh, concrete things being addressed uh, because uh, we don't want playing to just be a distraction. We want it to, to use this as a platform. Uh, and I really admired that. Yes, I admire that as well. And, you know, one of the things that Avery Bradley said is that, that he's all on board with players wanting to use platforms in Orlando to speak on issues of systemic racism. But he said that those efforts would have greater impact with our owner's help. And so that's why he put forth those proposals and concrete proposals are great. And as I said during Donnie's interview, and I and I say this from uh, a league broadcaster standpoint, look, number one, you know, look, I'm a broadcaster. I broadcast games and obviously want the games to come back as soon as possible. But I also, of course, understand that there's no Mark Folliwell broadcasting games. There's no Brian Damaris working formally in the Mavericks front office without the players and the coaches doing what they do. And so, you know, we have our part in it, but obviously those guys are, are the most important, most important part in it. And, and, and both of our cases, Brian, the NBA uh, and our affiliation with the Dallas Mavericks specifically has meant tremendous things in our lives individually. And and having benefited from that, I would be, the, as I said, when Donnie was on, uh, you know, and, and look, there have been issues and causes all, you know, throughout the last several years that I've donated to and more that I've been made aware of recently and, you know, more things that I've been donating to recently. But but I love the fact that these guys are saying, we're pointing out, these are ways that we want owners to help and businesses we want them so to, to support and charities that we want them to donate to that are enacting social justice. And that extends to the rest of us. I mean, I'm glad to know that there's a concrete action plan and here are specific places that you can go to, volunteer, donate or whatever, where you can help 
make a difference in this fight? Because obviously owners and their financial clout certainly help. But I think for all of us that have benefited from our time in the NBA, you know, a, a donation, a volunteering, whatever it is, this is uh, knowing knowing more concrete specifics is a great thing, man. And I totally embrace that. And it, it's probably one of the most, uh, you know, the the collection of African American individuals in the NBA is probably one of the most high, high profile group that can make make a difference when they do collectively get behind something. Yep. I mean, and I, and I know the Mavs have addressed this, you know, and, and one of the stories that I read today was that, and and of course, this is, you know, speaking a little selfishly from it, but I mean, I, I was really excited to see that that Avery Bradley said, I hope more owners will do what Mark Cuban and Michael Jordan have done, which is basically, you know, get involved uh, Mark was involved in those courageous conversations with Mark and Sent Marshall and Jamal Mosley and Maxi Kleba and several different individuals at American Airlines Center last week. We know how Mark has been front and center going to, uh, you know, a prayer vigil that occurred outside City Hall for George Floyd. With players. Yes, with with Maverick players, Jalen Brunson, Justin Jackson, Maxi Kleba and Dwight Powell, I believe. And some Mark, of the reasons Mark's, that- Mark's donated, I'm sorry, Brian, Mark's donated to uh, a, uh, a fund called the National Association of Black Journalists who have a COVID-19 relief fund that are helping black journalists that have lost work, that have lost jobs during the COVID-19 pandemic. And so uh, a report came out last week that he made a $100,000 donation to that organization. So, uh, you know, obviously we, you and I look at things through a Maverick lens, but I'm glad that as calls are being made for owners to do more, and it's not just about T-shirts, that one of the owners who's already demonstrated that he's doing more is our guy right here in Mark. And I think one of the reasons that you haven't heard Mavs names in in the player coalition, and I don't mean that they're the player coalition is negative anyway, but you just haven't heard players feel Mavs players feel like they needed to voice something because they haven't been heard is because the dialogue with Mark is open. Yes, and and you saw Justin Jackson, and and you saw Jalen Brunson in in the prayer vigil uh, at Dallas Police Headquarters with Mark, so they don't feel that their voice isn't being heard. Yeah, absolutely. And, and I, I heard, uh, you know, we had skin on last week. Uh, and I had a chance to listen to his podcast when, uh, when he interviewed Maverick CEO Sent Marshall. And she said she's had conversations with players and players are engaged and they are looking for opportunities. So, uh, you know, there's no question that, that that is happening here for the Mavericks as, of course, we get ready for the start of basketball, uh, minds are focused and and eyes are looking and hearts are open to to find you know all of these other ways for concrete action plans more than just uh you know social media statements and t-shirts uh and, and going back into the document that the the NBA released on Tuesday evening a couple of things that stood out to me one is that uh all non-players that are in the bubble, and this means all staff and executives regardless, are going to wear a ring that buzzes if you're within six feet of a, anybody else <laughs> for more than five seconds. That's uh, Yeah, that's taking social distancing uh, to quite the level. Isn't so it? literally, like, you're talking about elevators that are going to have no more than four people in them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's going to be elevator issues. Uh, there's no congregating at the bar every night. You know, uh, you could go, but it's going to be six feet apart. Um, so that's really interesting. And and also something that I know you and I have talked about off air is 
you know, you're a member of the Mavs traveling party, and that's usually uh, what fifty something people that go on yeah, every trip. Yeah, well, well over fifty, flirting with sixty people. Yep. And if you take away uh, broadcasters who are going to be doing their theirs from you know home, yeah. or remotely from home markets, uh, that still leaves over what forty ish people that the Mavs usually travel with. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's going to be a paring down, presumably of the traveling party to get it to the the 35 person traveling party that that the NBA is wanting. Now I don't I don't know uh uh who outside the 35 people. I guess there's a couple of positions. There's that- two positions, a PR person which would be Scott Tomlin and a content creator, uh someone for your social feeds. So you'll have 35 people now. 15 to 17 of those are going to be players. Now, just, and, to, just to clarify, you're saying that, that the, the team's media relations person and the team's social media content creator would not fall under the 35-person right. limit. Those, those that's, uh, that's a little bit of room to operate yes. outside of it. Okay. But All security... Right. Uh, Strength and conditioning coach, equipment manager, athletic trainer. They suggest a mental health person, trainer. which we have a, uh, a psych doctor, if you will, Dr. Uh, Don Coxstein. Um now, the Mavs have not decided whether they're going to use, take 15 or 17 players. The reason for 17 players, of course, is uh, if someone gets injured, they're allowing or or COVID right. takes a player out. You can then take one of those 16th or 17th people and put them on the roster. So, Antonius Cleveland and Josh Reeves were the two-way contract players that the Mavs had, and I would assume that they would jump up into the potential for use because, as we've noted, uh, you know, clearly Dwight Powell, that, that you know, uh, late January was his Achilles injury, and Jalen Brunson, the torn labrum shoulder surgery, was a few days after the, the league went into the shutdown, a few days after March the 11th. So, uh, you know, those players are still not in the mix. So, you but know, the something Mavs you are have to have- keep in mind is when you're when you're building this 35 people, you know, we, we talk about the training staff yeah. going and the number of people that go. Do you leave one behind to work with Dwight? That's a really good point. Or Jalen. Yeah. yeah, that's because great, yeah. you don't you can't go two months without you know, Dwight having uh, continuous rehab. But do you, but, you know, do those guys want to be there supporting their teammates? But as that well? takes a spot. Yeah. Uh, you know, because so that, these are all interesting questions. That's, that's one of the things that I've heard from, you know, other in other injured players is that they want to be there supporting their teammates. Now, obviously, there's restrictions on the size of the traveling party. So there's certainly going to be some things that are going to be, uh, you know, going to restrict that. But no, there's, there's a lot of questions to be answered. Just, just to reiterate, the required positions for the traveling party, athletic trainer, strength and conditioning coach, equipment manager, team security official. And then you get to uh, players and, and you know, there's obviously a very significant sized Mavericks assistant coaching staff, uh, you know, some of whom are on the front row of the bench, some of whom are on the back row, but play important roles in terms of scouting, uh, specialization in terms of like a shooting coach, uh, you know, uh, player development coaches, uh, player, uh, video coordinators. I mean, advanced scouts, advanced scouts. I mean, look, there is, there's a, it's going to be like the old days, man. You know, we, we've, yes. we've just laughed over recently, recently watching Moody Madness. And it was again on Fox Sports Southwest the other night. And the old day, I mean, that's like was Dick Mata and Bob Weiss. And I, I think there was one other coach and like, there's one trainer and Doug Atkinson from those days. And this is, this is going to be like the old days a little bit where there's going to be a, a, a lot fewer people in and around the bench area. Well, I remember mentioning this to my friends who work in the organization now, you know, when I was there and starting in 02, um, 
you know, my desk was literally next to free weights in the, in the locker room. Right. Which was at that time still in the AAC. And I think all of basketball operations was maybe, I don't know, not including coaches, 10 people. Yeah. We're talking about, you know, strength coach, uh, trainer, assistant trainer, equipment manager, myself, uh, uh, Don Coxteen part-time, you know, psych doctor, you're talking about Donnie, uh, a couple guys in the video room. That's it. Now I bet it's like 50. Yeah. I mean, think about the fact that, uh, that you've got guys like James, like James Bricado and Terry Sullivan who, and, uh, who are involved in the Mavericks analytics department. I mean, how are you going, you know, this as well as anybody, um, you know, Things have changed since since you have since you were doing analytics and you've told a funny story that you walked into Nelly's office and you know you actually handed him the big stack of papers that was color coded that he tossed to the side. But then while he was watching the Masters, <laughs> but ultimately he finally decided he would look at those things, and because of that, you got Marquise Daniels uh, into a better position in the lineup and got him a thirty five million dollar contract right. that you remind him of. That I've seen none of, but. Uh, <laughs> But but we have clearly advanced beyond the days of having to print out those spreadsheets. So I don't know. I mean, you would you would have an opinion on this better than anybody. If you're an analytics person, uh, the NBA depends on the analysis of analytics people more than they ever had. But is that something that has to be there in person in Orlando? And that's one more person that has to be accounted for in the bubble. Or is that something that you would think they might be able to try to do remote? From your from your own personal experience, I so. think that obviously you would prefer that in person, but because of just the numbers and who needs to go, yeah, you know that that training staff, uh, your mental health professional, your security equipment manager, all of those things are going to you know take priority, frankly, for somebody that can transfer their information digitally, yeah, through email and phone yeah. conversations, and but you need a video person to cut tape. You're going to need your advanced scouts to go to the other games and look at them in person, Mm -hmm. things of that nature. Uh, So it's going to be really interesting to see how each team, you know, personal trainer, Chris stops has his own trainer. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's part of the group. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Uh, Manolo Valdivieso, I believe is his name. I think there is allowed one team personal chef, but if a player has a personal chef, you know, that, that either has to be part of that 35 or if they make it past the first round, that's his family person mm-hmm. because one of the rules is that for every player you get a room. So 15 players, 15 rooms after the first round for guests. Right. So um, it's going to be different. The other thing is that everybody players included when not in practice or a game, even in the bubble is mask wearing. Wow. Now they will have access to a lot of amenities. Um, players only lounge. Uh, pools, trail in the players only lounge, video games, TVs. Uh, there will be access to pools and trails. There will be access to uh, barbers, uh, manicurists, pedicures. Sounds like a nursing home. <laughs> Shuffleboard, <Yeah>. arts and crafts, twenty-four <laughs> uh, hour VIP concierge, daily entertainment, movie screenings. DJ sets, ping pong tables. You know, we were joking about this with Donovan. You can't play doubles ping pong, though. Uh, you know, the uh, decks of cards, but I believe that the card, the card, the decks of cards have to be like trans, like have to be taken out of the rotation very, very quickly. Well, let's just say that it's a good thing per diem is now put on a card because there's going to be a lot of cash flowing around at those games. Yeah. <laughs> so there will be some, you know, creature comforts there. 
and some amenities there. But yeah, these guys are going to be stepping into an atmosphere uh, that, look, the NBA has worked their collective asses off in terms of developing health protocols and then trying to uh, put together some sort of of a uh, facility that's going to have amenities that you know this is that that uh you know this is not going to be a, like a an austere situation there i mean there's going to be quite a bit of luxury there uh relatively speaking to to what an, a normal person would would be accustomed to uh but but yeah they've 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 done everything possible to to make this setup as comfortable as possible but despite that it's still unique in the lives of every player and what they're going to be experiencing. And Mark Stein had an interesting uh, article that came out Wednesday morning, Tuesday evening, if you subscribe to his newsletter, about what's happening in Germany as they're doing a bubble environment for their basketball league. And kind of the gist of it was that after a week or so, the players pretty much got used to it. Mm -hmm. And they're just like, listen, if this is the the new normal that we need to live in, um, it's not that bad. And I think that once the players are there and – if these amenities are, you know, I'm sure things can be added to that and, you know, different as different requests come up. Um, I think that, you know, the two main issues being kind of keeping the attention on uh, the cause, the societal causes that they want to do, if that's addressed. And, and uh, you know, as you mentioned, the real thought into what these health protocols are, um, it, it it's positive for me that I think things are moving in the right direction. By the way, one other thing that we should uh, probably note is that, uh, you know, they have put in or they've said that they've put in place, uh, you know, uh, disciplinary measures and a system to, to monitor this. Uh, you know, there's been the snitch reports, hotline. Yeah, there's been reports of a hotline. If you see violation of protocols, uh, what is has been said by and, and we should say that on Tuesday of this week, our athletic colleague, you know, as you listen to 77 minutes in heaven from the athletic DFW on the athletic podcast network, our athletic colleague, uh, Sham Sharania, has just absolutely killed it in terms of information that he's been sharing. Uh, and so a lot of this information that we've been relaying are what are, are facts and, and and nuggets that he has been reporting. Uh, and he said that. Uh, Per NBA health and safety protocols, all players, team, staff, and guests will be required to certify in writing that they will adhere to all pre-arrival rules and league rules while on campus, and failure to comply with protocols subjects a player to potential discipline such as a warning, fine, suspension, and or potential actual removal from the campus. So, And, and nothing in this document... Uh, explicitly lays out specifics on what those punishments are. Right. There is some concern that maybe all players wouldn't be treated equally. Yeah. So that's just out there. Um, but yes, there, you know, I think what's going to happen when you get there is that there's going to be teammate accountability. You know, great point. I hadn't thought of that. that great the, point. The though. leaders of the team, you know, you don't want to let your teammates down. Yeah. And it's very true. If you're the one that's sneaking out to get a Big Mac, you know, because you're just hankering for one and that causes you to be quarantined for two weeks. Mm -hmm. um, I I just think that people are going to understand what's at stake and and I don't foresee a lot of a lot of issues there. It, It seems as though the NBA has, you know, thought through most of this and 
you know, is handling this in the right track and the right steps. Dr. Dominguez will elaborate more on this when we visit with him next Monday. But, um, you know, knowing what we know about how they're handling positive tests when they come up in the German Bundesliga and soccer or the English Premier League, which, by the way, as we record here on this Wednesday, that's just getting started back up today on this Wednesday, June the 17th. But, uh, you know, clearly there is an expectation that they're certainly could be positive test and they don't want it to be a Rudy Gobert situation where one basically stops the league. So uh, if there is a positive coronavirus test, uh, the player will, or the staff member, whomever it is, will enter immediate isolation at a separate location, uh, quote unquote, isolation housing. There will be a retest to confirm positive, and then they will remain in isolation and then they won't get to uh, exit isolation until consecutive negative test and then returning to team activities. So I, I guess, and again, we'll get a medical professional's opinion on this next week, but but I guess that's that realistically to me sounds like the best uh, thing that you could ask for in terms of managing what happens whenever the uh, presumably inevitable positive test shows up at some point. Yeah, so, you know, listen, we've, we, we do these every week and it seems as though we we come to a point where we think, okay, all systems go and then, who knows what pops up or yeah. different issues come to come to light. So, uh, and, and, and by the way, Brian, in the list of things that are on the priority list, this one's pretty, pretty far down there, but it, it, it does matter to guys like you and me because uh, you're going to be watching the games and you've been on our pregame show on Fox sports Southwest. So I uh, hope we, ha- we get a chance to have you on there a little bit more. Uh, but, and, and from my perspective of broadcasting the games, one thing the NBA has been communicating to people is that it, this don't necessarily expect it to be like a summer league situation where, uh, there's all these games that result in games being played at really weird times. In other words, like, you know, I I don't think we're going to see games being played uh, at Tuesday, eleven thirty in the morning for a Maverick game. It does seem that that the league is trying to be within within the bounds of realism and what's possible, sensitive to putting games on at a time that isn't way out of balance whenever it would normally be on in the team's home market. You know that they, they don't want to have to have uh, uh, you know a game in the Pacific time zone starting at nine 30 in the morning, you know, they're, they're probably not going to schedule the Lakers for any game that starts at 1230 Eastern time. So therefore the game is at nine 30 uh, Pacific time on the West coast. So that's something again, of all the things that we're dealing with, it's probably not real high on the priority list, but uh, when, when the league does start, I don't think we'll have to be scheduling uh, really oddball times to get together and, and have watch parties. If that's even allowed these days, I guess it probably isn't. No, we'll all be at home watching yeah. <laughs> follow well, call the game from a studio, but I socially distance watch party probably won't be able to tell the difference. Uh, other than you probably, uh, you know, other than our fake crowd noise. Donovan, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I'm excited for it, man. You know, I just, I'm, I'm ready for it to happen. And, and, you know, it, it seems like we're just uh, we're, we're inching towards it, but uh, but but I promise you, man, I'll be uh, as excited as anybody when it does get started, and and really looking forward to it, and and we'll we'll look forward to what ways we can make the best out of the situation in terms of you know what we can do to 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 try to you know make it as good for the viewer as possible, given that it's that it's going to be certainly abnormal. 
Well, I'm sure you have your suits laid out for the first few games. <laughs> it's a shame that, man, all those suits that I had figured out for uh, the games from March 14th to the end of the year, my whole rotation. And he's not kidding. Out. He actually does <laughs> have them all set out. Well, look, man, I got to figure out, like, when I'm going on a road trip, I don't want to have to like take clothes where I'm going to have to take my black shoes and my brown shoes and a black belt and a brown belt. I don't want to... You know, you want to like. I think you should tweet to Dirk all of your outfits <laughs> that you have ready, so he can tell you how brutal they are, since he can't do that in person anymore. I do miss that, as we said last week. I do, I do miss those days of 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 Dirk walking off the bus and saying, uh, "God, I hate that bleeping suit." And <laughs> and I I can just promise really, you, those words were uttered. <laughs> just really got to him. <laughs> It did. Oh man, I love that man. And as I said, I la- I was I was watering the yard one day this week, and I thought of our, con- our of our conversation. And I'm sitting in the middle of my own backyard, just sitting there watering the San Augustine and laughing because I remembered our conversation last week of how much I miss Dirk sitting in the back of the bus yelling, "Follow Will, stop tweeting about soccer. You don't know blank about it." <laughs> you don't think I hear about how brutal I am, and I should be talking about basketball because i never played and what do i know oh my gosh i did Ducey one time on uh, uh free for all yeah and a friend of mine and i purposely didn't tell anybody i was going to be on i right. was doing it live and literally i walk off the set and my phone buzzes and it's a friend of mine who had tweeted out a screenshot to like a huge list of people and dirk was on there <laughs> Saying, "Hey, look who's look who was on free for all!" Ha ha! And immediately Dirk responds, "Oh, he must be desperate. Uh, Deucey must be desperate. Uh, Brian doesn't know anything." And I was like, "Wow! I mean, I haven't stepped away for ten seconds." <laughs> oh, we love that guy. He he would have made. Uh, I'm sure that he would have. Struggled with aspects of it, but I guarantee you, Dirk would have uh, done his best to make a bubble. If he had to be in a bubble environment, he would have made it as lighthearted and as humorous as possible under the circumstances. Well, what's funny is that he, you know, he was a guy that never went out. I mean, he would go to dinners. Yeah, uh, but I would during the playoffs. It was man, he's hunkered down for it, sure. It is yeah. he wouldn't drink at all. I mean, any time after All Star. Yep, towards yep. the end of the year. Uh, so the idea of staying in his room and watching TV and doing whatever, like that, that, that part wouldn't really bother him too much, but, uh, it will be interesting. And, and, you know, the good news is that, uh, there's, there's, there's stuff to talk about all the time. And so we will tackle, uh, go ahead. Can I give you one, one just little thing while we've been here and, and this is a long Man, this is a long statement, so I don't want to read the whole thing. But this is, but but since Shams Sharania from the Athletic just had it, uh, and it's and it's Dwight Howard with a direct statement to him. Uh, contrary to popular belief, we are not attempting to halt the resumption of the basketball season in Orlando. It would be silly to think we could stop a force as powerful as the NBA, nor would we want to, considering the wonderful opportunities they have afforded us. Our main objective is to raise awareness and gain transparency on the things that concern us collectively. Many of our fellow players are afraid to voice their concerns and are continuing to follow along with what they believe they have to. But some of these players may have leaders that could speak for them, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So, so, um, 
You well, know, you know this, what's this, interesting this, this about is that. a very long statement, and and I don't mean, and, and I hope that I, I just kind of et cetera it. Uh, doesn't mean I'm not diminishing in any way. Of course, it's just long, and we've been on doing our podcast a long time, and this would take me like probably three or four minutes to read it. So I would encourage anybody who's listening right now, please go find this, please read it, because just the first couple of paragraphs that I read uh, are making some really, really good points, and 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 you get an idea uh, of the place from where guys like Dwight Howard are coming from. Well, two things on that, just very, very briefly. One is, I think if you don't have some, not threat of not playing, but just bringing up that issue, then you don't get people to listen to you, yeah. A. And B, I think in some ways, I think he may feel he needs to do that because if you're on the Lakers and their championship potential, uh, there may be teammates that aren't too happy with you if you decide to sit out right? because right. of the competitive aspects of it yeah. as much as they may understand your reasons good-natured good-hearted reasons for not playing because of what you believe there's still the teammate issue of you're letting me down by not playing and well, i think that's real yep yeah no i think no I, I i had not thought about that again excellent point as as you always do bring them up and that is and uh you know so i would say here for for those of you listening at the end this just came down as we're recording this uh in the afternoon on wednesday june the 17th so i would i would recommend to all to to go read this because this looks like this is uh an exclusive for the athletic from dwight howard to sham Sharani. great all yep. right well, we look forward to it and we will all see you all next week Shut it down!